book of Judges, chapter 3, verse number 31. Just reading verse number 31. This is the time of the judges in Israel. If you're wondering, it's the time Joshua has, has gone by the way of the grave. Caleb's gone by the way of the grave. And it's a time in the Bible of, of who led or who, who the leadership of Israel. It's an account from <clears throat> they're in the promised land, but Joshua's gone. Caleb's gone until the time of the kings, when King Saul comes in or on the picture. But Ehud is, is the judge, and then he goes, he passes on in verse 31, one verse. And after him, Ehud, was Shamgar. Everybody say Shamgar. Anybody remember hearing that name? I didn't think so. Probably because his name was mentioned here and in Joshua chapter 5 one, time, one other time. And it was, you just pass over it. It's not like it's that significant. You got this man who becomes a judge of Israel and you have two verses in the Bible dedicated with your name in it. Here's Shamgar, the son of Anath. In fact, he was so insignificant they thought it better, best to tell you who his father was. Which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad and he also delivered Israel he also delivered Israel it's not about making a name for myself it's about doing something for the kingdom of God Some of the preachers in the house, we may never preach a general conference. We may not ever, but it's not, that has nothing to do with it. It's all about seeking first the kingdom of God. Saving somebody's soul from a fiery pit of hell. (coughs) Amen. And I want to preach this morning on just a, hopefully it will edify the body today. On this simple thought, use what you have in hand. Use what you have. Not what I've got. Not what somebody else has. Not what the person sitting next to you or standing next to you. But use what you have in hand. God, would you help us this morning? God, I covet your prayers, your anointing. God, I, I need the unction of the Holy Ghost, God, to move and speak in me and through me. In the name of Jesus, give us ears to hear what thou sayeth the word of God this morning. In Jesus' name, bind us together in a spirit of unity. Help us to communicate in love. Let us be about our Father's business, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Turn to somebody and tell them, just use what you have. Joshua passes on and Caleb passes on. And the book of Judges gives an account of the time between Joshua and Caleb and and the rise of kings, the leadership in Israel. And you hear about judges that that ruled in Israel. Uh, And that's what the book of Judges is about. But we know this morning, you've probably heard of some of the judges that, that ruled, some of the judges that delivered Israel. Judges like Samson, 
You know the story of Samson. Story about Gideon. How God used him while he was threshing wheat and used him and got it down to 300 men and delivered the Midianites that were beyond number. Could not be numbered. There were so many of them. And yet God gave Israel a great victory by using Gideon. Amen. People like Deborah, which was a godly lady who helped judge and rule with Barak in Israel. You may even know another one, Abimelech, is also mentioned and discussed in Judges and how he ruled and judged based on the, the Word of God as they had, it, had received it in their time. But we know very little about Shamgar because there are only two verses that even mention his name. And yet, I think we can learn a lot even though it's, there's not a lot written from Shamgar. You see, Shamgar was <coughs> the son of Anath. Shamgar was a farmer. And God used a farmer to judge and to deliver Israel. It was Shamgar who took up an ox goad and defeated 600 Philistines that came against Israel, came against him. The reason he, I believe, used an ox goad was because that was what he had in hand. An ox goad, if you don't know what an ox goad is, it's if you've heard of goading somebody or prodding somebody, it was someone, an ox goad would be used by a farmer that would walk behind a plow pulled by an ox or oxen. And it had to be long enough to reach past the plow and get the attention of the ox. So they were typically eight to ten feet long rods or staffs or sticks. And they had a point on the end or an iron uh, point on the end. It was very sharp and it was used, called an ox goad. If they wanted the ox to go one direction or the other, the ox was acting up. They would use that ox goad to reach forward and give that ox some direction. Amen. Growing up, I felt like my mom and dad had an ox goat. It was called the switch <clears throat> or the belt <clears throat> or whatever else they had in hand. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I, uh, it might be a chonkla. Amen. If you got a little sandal, going to hit you. With a, I've heard of people fighting with chonklas, but I never saw it until this year. I literally saw two young ladies fighting, and one of them took her sandal off and began to hit the other with it. They got it on video because anything you do now, somebody's going to stand there with their camera, their phone out, video. So be careful what you do. Somebody's going to see it in video. And then somebody else is going to get the blessing of watching it. Hallelujah. Shamgar used an, an ox goad with this iron spike at the end. That's what he was used to using. That's what he had proven. That's the, the instrument that God had given him to use. He, he, he didn't pick up anything else. He didn't get a sword, but he used what he was used to using. Can I tell you that? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost moving in here right now. Can I tell somebody, don't wait for the enemy to come to try to prove you need to get a prayer life and begin to and have a fast and a walk with God before the enemy ever shows up so you can prove it before you ever have to use it. 
And David used the sling because that's what he had proven. Saul tried to give David his armor. And David, they put it on him. He said, I've not proven your. This is, belongs to you. I can't fight with what God has placed on in your hand. i got to use what God has given me to use. And I've, I've preached it before, 40 is the number of preparation. Reigned for 40 nights. Moses left at 40. He forsook Egypt. He was out in the wilderness for 40 years. God called him. He comes back. He knew how to, he had to know how to survive in the wilderness for 40 years because the people of God were going to be in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus prayed and fasted for 40 days before he began his ministry. It's always the number of preparation. You can read how David... In Psalm 17, he was, he is already, in Psalm 16, or, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Samuel uh, uh, 16, he was already named Saul's armor bearer. He was already, he had already played before Saul was instrument. He, he already was called a mighty man of war. Psalm, uh, uh, Samuel 16. And so David is there in Samuel 17 when the, the Goliath comes out on day one. And read down at verses 14 and 15, the Bible says David leaves he goes. To, he returns to his father to, to to take care of the sheep, and he's there for forty days. Because when when it comes back, it says that Goliath's been coming out for forty days, and here comes David. He hadn't proven armor. He hadn't proven the sword, but he had a slingshot he'd been using for a long time. Part of me thinks that, part of me when he went back, he was like, hey, 35 days till I go back. 30, 32 days. I think he was perfecting the thing that God had put in his hand. He was proving. It was an accident that that stone hit Goliath in the forehead. David knew exactly what he was doing. Because he had proven the sling. <clears throat> so here comes the enemy and Shamgar defeats 600 600 Philistines with this eight-foot spike on the end of it. Part of me thinks that they probably couldn't even get close enough to him. And the weapons that we have are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. If you'll take on the armor, the whole armor of God, the enemy can't do anything to touch you. You are... Oh, somebody hears it here. God will protect you if you will prove the very weapons that God has given you to use. We need to take the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and gird up our loins with truth and, and, and walk, have our feet shod with the preparation of peace and take the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. I don't know if you ever really thought about it, but the armor of God really is for somebody that's facing the enemy head on. Nothing on the backside. Why is there nothing on the backside? Well, <clears throat> I think David said it best in Psalms 27: "The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear?" I, mean, I can, I can take. You can take the, the enemy coming head on. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound mind. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house 
of the Lord all the days of my life. And to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. As long as I'm in the presence of God, everything is going to be all right. Verse number 5, David said, For in the time of trouble, when the enemy does come, when I am facing an adversary, he says, he shall hide. The Hebrew word means to protect me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide or protect me. He shall set me up upon a rock. That means you're going to have the high ground against the enemy. And if God be for us, who can be against us? I wonder if Shamgar was out there on that field saying, hold on, let me, get, let me step up on this rock with my eight-foot rod. And here comes the Philistine. You can't touch me. Maybe he was singing a worldly song. Can't touch this. 600 of the enemy. Couldn't get close. Because Shamgar simply used what God had given him. He simply used what God had given him, what he had already proven. Can I tell somebody, don't try to be like everybody else. You just be the best God made you to be. Don't try to fight the way somebody else fights. You fight the way God, you use the, the weapons that God gave you. You got a prayer life, use it. You know how to fast, use it. You know how to come against the enemy, use what you've got. I don't know. I just got an ox code, just an eight-foot ox code. Well, I don't know that I could defeat the enemy with an ox code because I ain't never plowed, ain't never led no oxen. I never done that before. So I don't know that I could defeat an. I don't know if I could defeat an ant with an ox code. But Shamgar could because he had it proven. He knew what he was doing. I don't think I could kill a giant with a slingshot. Matter of fact, I don't even think I'd even try. Because I've never done those things other than the wrist rocket. Now, I did shoot a deer with a marble at men's retreat. And some of the men here this morning maybe remember that. I did shoot a deer with a marble. And he kind of stood up and looked at me like, what in the world was that? With a wrist rocket. And I thought, well, if I did it once, maybe I can do it again. And I did it again. Jumped a little bit. and Well, if I did it twice, maybe I can get lucky doing it. And I got the guy three times. You know how I think I hit him? I knew I needed to aim a little high because the marble was going to drop because I was from here back maybe to the the, the doors, maybe a little bit further. I was that far away with a wrist rocket. But you know what I had been doing for men's retreat for like the day before? I was out there hitting a tree. I was practicing. And then here comes a doe. And unbeknownst to her, there was a pastor that had been practicing with a wrist rocket. It didn't hurt her, okay? She ended up trotting off after the third time. Like, what in the world was that? She's lucky it wasn't a 308. Because <laughs> we'd been having venison. Well, I didn't have tags or nothing, so, you know, I couldn't do that. Didn't have 308 either, but. Because I had proven, at least 
to some small level of proficiency in, in, in the little practice that I had. You know, I had a bad, a, a bad, a band instructor growing up. I played the trumpet in elementary school and junior high, and, and the band instructor, Mr. Battisher, Stan Battisher, I'll never forget him, he would say, you need to practice like you play. You need to practice like you perform. And it was really easy to, in practice, ah, we're not doing a concert today, this is just class, you know, we don't have to, we, you know, no, you, you need to practice like you're going to perform. You need to practice like, I wonder if Shamgar had been practicing, like, you know, I wonder if the enemy ever comes against me. I'm a... He was used to, a, to an ox goad. Don't mess with a farmer with an ox goad. Devil, you better be careful who you're messing with. Don't mess with a saint with a prayer life. I got news for somebody's employer this morning. They don't know who they're messing with. They're messing with the child of of the king. They're messing with somebody who knows how to get a hold of God. They're messing with somebody that has a prayer life and has a walk with God and has angels walking with them. Ox code wasn't made for fighting, but when it's in the hands of one that knows how to use it, it can, be, it can do anything. Slingshot probably wasn't made for taking down a giant, but look what happened there with David and Goliath. Here comes Samson, a man with an anointed strength from God himself. The Philistines come on him, and he, pick, he takes up a jawbone. He takes up a, a bone. It's not even a weapon, but he's going to make it a weapon. What do you got? That's the only thing I got in my hand. And if God be for us, who can be against? You just take what God's given you. Well, I can't sing. What can you do for the kingdom of God? I can't preach. What can you do? What do you have in your hand this morning? Well, I can call for people. I can, I can connect with people. I can pray for people. I can, I can minister to people. I can read my Bible and share an encouraging word to somebody. I can give a daily bread to somebody. What do you, whatever your hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. This is what I feel this morning for the Apostolic Rock Church. For ARC, I feel like we need to take whatever it is that God has put in our hand and let's do what we can for the kingdom of God. See, well, I don't know. I just, <clears throat> all I have is an ox goat. All, I, I can't preach. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't. Focus on what you can do. What you, what, don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what God gave you. What can you do for the kingdom of God? We had one just recently, a lady here, she's here this morning, I won't say her name, but she said, hey, you know what, I, I, I can't do it, but I can do this. Can I help it? Yes, thank you so much. Will you help? She said, ooh, she's already going out recruiting. Why? Because she knows other people that have the same ox code. What, are you, what, are, what is she doing? She's doing something, What she's doing what she can do for the kingdom of God. You know what she's been doing? She's been working before God ever called her. Let me give you a little on leadership. You ready? A little how biblical leadership, Bible leadership right here. God always calls a worker to do a work. What was Moses doing? He was leading sheep around in the desert. He was working. 
He knew how to help sheep survive in a desert. That's exactly who God called to lead the people of God through a desert. Gideon, what was he doing? Oh, he, he thought, it can't be me, I'm a nobody. But what was, he was threshing wheat behind the wine press. He was working. There were some that weren't working. If you can't work now, how can you do something great for God if you won't do great? Oh, man. Oh, man, I, this ain't for anybody in here specifically. This is for all of us. This is the time. Pastor better not make eye contact. Oh, he looked right at me when he said that. I don't have anybody, and your name is it's not S right here, but maybe if, you know, if the shoe fits, maybe you are Cinderella or Cinderfella. I don't know. But if you can't work in the little things... How are you going to work in the big things? If you can't be faithful in a little ministry, how can you be faithful in a big ministry? If I can't be faithful, you know what I did? When I was a kid, I, and this is not a pat, this is just because I had great leadership and I had people that, that loved parents and pastoral staff and I had people that, and, I, and, and music minister, minister and family and that were very, you know, de- helped develop who I am. They, put, they invested in me. This is not me, it's they invested in me. And, and I remember when I was in fourth grade, I started picking up the trumpet. And I, I just want to be a part of, of worship. I just want to be a part of praise. So I sat back there on, on, the, on Wilson Road. And, and there were people like Brother John McGee who brought his trumpet in. And Brother Craig, uh, Craig uh, uh, Turk with his trumpet. And I didn't know how to play by ear, but they did. And, we just, and, and just as a kid on the platform, you know, I, I didn't have a tie on. I was just a fourth grader, fifth grader. And I started playing. And pretty soon I became a little bit more proficient. I couldn't teach. I was a kid. I, there's a whole lot of things I couldn't do then that, I, <clears throat> that thank God I can do a little bit better now. Or I learned a little bit how to, I don't know if I, I'm not the greatest preacher, but I've learned how to preach just a little bit better than I did it probably in fifth grade. At least I hope so. But it started with just a little thing. You think, well, I was just playing the trumpet and music. Yeah, but then I, I went from there to joining the choir. And I remember standing in the choir in the front row with, I think, you and your dad. And the, we're in the front row. And a couple others in the front row, like four or five of them. Like Jeremy Laurier was in the front row with us one time. And what I do, I just learned to, how to sing the part. And I just watched that choir director and Sister Terry Brokaw. And I just, what was I trying to do? I'm trying to, trying to learn what God had given me. And I just wanted to use it for His glory and His kingdom. <clears throat> I hope this makes sense. And God gave one man a talent, another two talents, another five talents, and He comes back, and the man with five had ten, the man with two had four, the man with one went and buried it in earth. He buried it in himself. Maybe He uses it for Himself, but not for the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say? He said to the men with talents, he said, well done. The ones that took what they had and they did something with it. They did the best they could. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. We want to hear him say one of these days, well done, thou good and faithful. Good and faithful. I can't sing. I can't do that. I don't have five talents. What talent do you have? What is it in your hand that you have that, you, that, that God wants to use? You sing that song, Little is Much, when God is in it. Hey, R.C., we have to have the same purpose. We have to communicate. We have to be on the same page. We have to have a, a desire to work for His kingdom. And what, with that desire, I don't know what talent you have, but whatever talent or talents you have, if you will give it to the Lord, He will bless you. 
Elisha. When Elijah came and cast his mantle over him, God sent Elijah to call Elisha into the ministry. Elisha, he was following sheep or oxen. He burned the plow, sacrificed the oxen. It's kind of like I'm burning a bridge. God called me. I'm going to take what I, what I know, what I do, and I'm going I'm to simply follow Elijah. How, Elisha, how can you just follow Elijah? Wherever you go, that's where I'm going. You, know, you ready? This is, this is fresh revelation right here. You know why Elisha could just simply follow Elijah? Because that's what he had been doing. He just following the plow. I've just been faithful to him. Because we're going to reap a harvest. This is going to feed my family. This is going to feed the people of God. I'm just going to, all I know to do, I've just been following the plow. God said, someone that's willing to just be obedient and just follow the plow and just do whatever God, say, well, nobody else is out here working, but hey, God's just going to, you know what God's going to do? He's going to call the worker to do a work. You know, I'm, and I say this, I am thankful the Apostolic Rock Church is full of people that know how to work. Willing to say, whatever God, whatever God has called me to do, that's what I want to do for His glory, for His kingdom. Nehemiah, you know what Nehemiah did? This is kind of cool. <clears throat> he was the cupbearer for the king. His job was to protect the king. It's just, oh, this is so deep, man. It's so powerful. Nothing got to the king that hadn't got through Nehemiah first. God said, that's exactly who I can use to rebuild the walls. All I am is just a little cupbearer. All I do is eat a little cupbearer. That's exactly who God, he's looking for a worker to do a work. Nehemiah says, hey, we got to build the walls because the Sanballat and Tobiah, they're trying to get us to compromise in that plain of Ono. Oh, no, we're not. They're, they're trying to, they don't like, the enemy doesn't like what's going on here. We're going to build the wall. We're going to have a trowel in a hand and a sword in the other. And in 52 days, they built the wall. God, why? Because God called a worker. Nothing gets by me to the king. You got to go through me first. You know what Nehemiah had? He had the same mindset when he was rebuilding the walls. Enemy, you got to come through me to get. What do you have? I'm going to use whatever God puts in my hand to use. Some of Jesus' own disciples were fishermen. Why? Because he was going to make them fishers of men. Luke was a physician. Why? Because he's going to have Luke write and somebody that was studied could understand the mighty miracles and explain them in the book of Luke. And they could also write the, the book of Acts. <clears throat> as far as amount of words, Luke wrote more than Paul did. There's more words in Luke and Acts than all of the epistles. He needed a physician to do that. That could break it down like it needed to be broken down. That could pay attention to the details. He called Matthew a tax collector. You know why? This is Mike Mullings 101. You ready? He needed somebody to take up an offering. <laughs> Maybe we need to save an IRS agent. Praise God. <laughs> I think they can be saved. I'm not too sure. 
Hallelujah. Uh, sometimes, I, I don't know, God forgive me for... You made me with a sense of humor, Lord. I'm just using what you gave me. <laughs> you know, God called Joseph, and he was going to use Joseph to save his family and save Israel in a time of famine. But Joseph wasn't ready at 17 years of age, so Joseph was betrayed. And don't think everything negative against you is for your detriment. He was betrayed by his brothers and sent down to Potiphar's house. And what happened? He learned how to work. And Potiphar, matter of fact, he put Joseph over, every, over all the work on his entire land, his property, everything. He was over everything. He was learning. He learned how to work. Oh, that's interesting because then Potiphar's wife betrays him. He goes down to the prison. It wasn't too long. You know what? Here is the prisoner running the prison. Now tell me, Brother McGee, Brother Kranz, how... What would happen if they put a prisoner over your, the prison y'all work at? I don't think that would be a good idea. But Joseph, God elevated Joseph to the point he was running the prison he was in. He had to learn to work. And God called him to be second in, only to Pharaoh because he had been faithful in the work God had already called him to. Well, I can't do much, Pastor. I'm telling you, God can do a great work if you'll just use what he's put in your hand. Philippians 1 and 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. I guess I've come to this pulpit this morning just to challenge us to do what we can do with what we have wherever we are. We'll say that again. I heard that from a preacher. He said, do what you can do with what you have wherever you find yourself. <coughs> Moses was leading sheep when God spoke to him out of the burning bush. And he called him to lead his people. Next it is chapter 4. And I'm, I'm trying to hurry this morning. But I'm I just sharing what I feel in my spirit. Verse number 2 of Exodus 4. And the Lord said unto him, what is that in thy hand? And Moses said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and be, it became a serpent. You ready? And Moses did what all of us would do. He fled. <laughs> this isn't a church, and it's not about to become a church that passes around snakes. I think it was Booney Bagwell was telling the story one time. He went to a church, and they, they got out a basket, and all they started pulling out these rattlesnakes. And he asked the pastor, where's the back door? And he said, we ain't got one. He goes, where you be wanting one? Moses did what all of us would do. It turned into a snake. He jumped back and he started to flee. <laughs> it became a serpent and he fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thy hand. Moses, this thing you've been walking, this thing you've been using is what I'm going to use. But it has to be in your hand for me to use it. He put it down, turns into a snake. He starts to take off. Obviously, Moses didn't like snakes. I like Moses even better. I don't like spiders either. If that turned into a spider, I still wouldn't have picked it up. God said, pick it up. You know what Moses did? Just like you do. He picked it up by its tail. Just in case. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. And took it up by the tail. Moses, 
was human. Would you grab it by its mouth? Here, snake. Oh, look. Take it up, noses. By its tail. And it turned back into the rod. And the Bible says it became a rod in his hand. God wanted to show Moses that, hey, I can use what you've got to do what I need to do for my people. Because it was, it was Moses and Aaron. God tells Moses, when you guys go before Pharaoh, I tell Aaron, he's going to throw down the rod. This time Aaron throws it down. It turns into a snake. And then Pharaoh goes, oh, that's nothing. I, I know magic. We can do illusions and stuff. And so he calls for his sorcerers, and they throw down their rods. And guess what? They turned into snakes. That's pretty cool. But actually, Aaron's rod literally turned into a snake. And the Bible says that his snake ate up their snakes. Why? Because he had the king's snake. You know what kills a rattlesnake? A king snake. King snake, the real rod, killed the imitation. Oh, I don't have time to preach all that. He took up the rod, and guess what? It turned right back into a, or took up the snake, and it turned right back into a rod. You know what I think that was? I don't know that I, that was as much for Pharaoh's or Mo, Moses had already seen this happen. Aaron hadn't seen that happen yet. Aaron needed to see that God could take what was in Aaron's hand and also do what God needed to do. <clears throat> Is helping anybody this morning? You can read, I don't, the, the other plagues, he may have used the rod. It doesn't say that specifically, but the first three plagues that, that, that God cursed uh, Egypt with, Moses used his rod, turned the water to blood, to bring the plague of frogs, to bring the plague of, of, of lice. Eighth and ninth plagues, I think it was the eighth and ninth, was the plague of hail and the plague of locusts. Moses stretched forth the rod that was in his hand, and God did the work. So you just need to trust God. You just do what you can do. Whatever talent God's put in your hand, you just do what you can do, and let God do the miracle. Come to the Red Sea, Moses lifts up his rod, the water parts. They cross over dry ground, here comes Pharaoh and his army. Moses turns around, lifts up his hands, lifts up the rod and the water, and defeats the enemy, destroys him. That would be amazing. They come against Amalek and the Amalekites. In the story in Exodus chapter 17, and Moses, God tells Moses, take your rod, lift it up. He's lifting up his rod. But when he got tired, and so his hand came down. The Bible says his hands were weary. His hands grew heavy. Sometimes you, you, you're doing what you can do. Sometimes you get, it gets a little heavy working for the king. Oh, let's just be real now. Sometimes it, it, it takes effort. Be not weary in well-doing. For we shall reap if we faint not. 
Thank God for the church because there was an Aaron and an Ur that put prop Moses up on a rock. And one on one side, one on the other, they lifted him up. And what was still in his hand? The rod. Why didn't, you know, why didn't Moses have something cooler than just a rod, just a staff, just a stick? Because that's what he had proven in the desert. That's what he had proven in Egypt. That's what he had, God had proven that he could use in his hand at the burning bush. So you find here, now they're in the, the, the wilderness, and here's, here's Moses lifting up the rod. I'm just going to. I'm going to do what I can do. And guess what? God gave the people of God a great victory simply because he had the rod. Try not to belabor, belabor this too much. I'll try to bring this to a close. But if I can have just a couple minutes, who'll give me two minutes? You already, I got four. I just got like four hands. Two, four, six, eight, ten. This church is getting smart, man. They don't raise their hands. Can I have five minutes? They... 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. The church getting smart. Like, it's funny, I even said that. Some of y'all went like this. <laughs> Don't make eye contact. Even Moses' hands grew heavy. The Bible says the battle turned against him because his hands grew heavy. Let me just talk to those that are involved in, in ministry right now. You need to bind yourself with faithful supporters of the church, the body of Christ, because if your hands grow heavy, there could be someone else that is affected in a negative way because your hand grew heavy in ministry. I hope this has encouraged somebody. You just keep on doing what God's called you to do. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Mary comes to Jesus and breaks the alabaster box and spikener and pours it over Jesus' head. And I'll read the whole story in Mark chapter 14. Some of the disciples says, Some of the disciples, hey, this is a waste. We could have sold it. We could have made money if she had just given it to us. This is, and he said, hold on, hold on, hold on. She hath done this for my burial. But before that, he said, she hath done what she could. You don't find her preaching a message. You don't find her winning thousands to the Lord. But you find her bear, doing something that was so significant and important that had to be done. She broke her alabaster box. She blessed the Lord. She poured it all over his head and anointed him for burial because he had to be anointed before he could be crucified to die. Hey, don't, 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 don't. Folks, I don't care how small it may seem or insignificant it may appear to you. When they have done what they could, God will bless it. There's a reason why. There's a reason why. And he said, this will be a memorial unto her. Why? Because she hath done what she could. You know, James 5.16 says, the effectual, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. First Kings 17, you find Elijah coming 
to, the, to Zarephath. And he finds the widow woman. God says, you're going to find a widow woman there in Zarephath, and she will sustain you. And so he comes and says, uh, you know, could you give me a little water that I may drink? And, and then more so, he goes, I pray the immortal bread. And she said, I have not a cake. I don't have any bread. I don't have nothing to feed you. All I've got is a handful of meal in a barrel, and, and i got a little bit of oil in a cruise. And I'm going to make it. I'm going to make a little cake, and my, I'm going to dress it. I'm going to try to make it as best I can, and my son and I are going to eat it, and we're going to die. That's real promising. He said, go and do the, what thou hast said. Go and make your cake, but what I want you to do is I want you to give it to me first. Make me a cake first. Hold on, man. You know, I'm, I'm fixing to die. There's a famine around. He said, you just take what you've got and you, you, you give it to the Lord. You use it for God, for the kingdom. And she did, and the Bible says that the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail throughout the rest of the famine. That was Elijah. Next guy comes on the scene, Elisha. He experiences something similar when he goes to one of the wives of the sons of the prophets, Elisha. He says to her, you know, make me something, or what do you got? And, and she says, all I've got is a, a, a pot of oil. My boys are going to go to debtor's prison. They're the bondmen are here to take them away. I, I, we've got bills we can't pay. Nobody here probably has ever had a bill you couldn't pay. I don't have anything to pay the bills. He said, you go borrow all the vessels you can find. And she did, and the boys did. And she takes her oil cruise, and she begins to pour, and she filled every vessel until they got to the last one. There's no more, and the, it stayed. And they went and they sold all the, vet, all the oil, and guess what? It paid the debt. You think she was happy? I bet her boys were really happy. What do you got? Uh, I don't have any money. That's okay. God doesn't need money. He can bless what you have and give you the money. I don't have money. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have food. I don't have the, what. What do you got? I can pray. Take what you've got. Use what you've got. God will bless it. What's in your hand this morning? <clears throat> Y'all are quiet. Hope I didn't preach too long today. But what, what, what has God given you to use? Ecclesiastes 9, I've mentioned it a couple times, but it's actually Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. What is it that God's placed in your hand to use? In 2022, what, what, is, what can you do for the kingdom of God? I, Pastor, I can't do this, I can't do that. What can you do? I'm not worried what you don't have. I'm worried about what you do have. All I've got is just a little bit of oil. I don't have money to pay the debt. Okay, we'll go borrow some oils. God's going to multiply what you've got. All I, what do you have? Oh, I've just got a little bit of meal, a little bit of oil. I've got enough to make a cake. My son and I are going to eat it. We're going to die. Boy, that's a real positive outlook on life. Why don't you, why don't you give it to God first and see it multiply? It wasted not. They always had food. As little as much when I said little as much. 
when God is in it. As we stand together this morning, I've come to tell our church, the Lord will bless what we have if we will do what we can with what we have. I thought somebody would get excited about that. I really believe God is going to bless what we have. What we use for His glory, for His purpose. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom. Just use what you have. Use the talent. Use the ability. Use what? Place it in the hands of God. Use what you've got. And I'm telling you, it will be a blessing. Here's Jesus with the disciples. They've been listening to him preach, teach. 5,000 men plus women and children. He says, hey, Jesus, the disciples said, Jesus, these guys are, these people are hungry. What do you got? Isn't that interesting? Every time there's a problem, God says, what do you have? We come to God. God, I have a problem. What do you have for me? We need to say, God, I have a problem. This is what I've got. This just, do I need to say, I, I think I need to say that again. That just totally transformed somebody's thinking right there. We come to the altar. God, I need this. I need this. I need this. He's like, I've already given you something. I want to bless what I've already given you. God, I've got this problem. And this is what I've got. Shamgar, there's 600 Philistines coming against me right now. What do you got, Shamgar? Hey, I've proven an ox code. And if God be for us, who can be against us? God, help me to do. Help me, bless me, anoint me with what I've got. And he defeated 600 enemy. Why? Because he used what he had in his hand. Maybe this morning you've got, you need something from the Lord today. You need God to bless you. You need a blessing. And God's saying, what do you have in your hand? Well, I've, I've got just a little bit of this. I've got this and I've got that. Why don't you come and offer it to him? Come and use what you've got. I got, I got bills I can't pay. What do you have? I don't have money. What do you have? I've got faith. I've got a testimony. I've got praise. Come out and, and, and bless the Lord with what you have. I'm telling you, you can't outgive God. And your praise and worship is never a waste, anyhow. There's been times. In our ministry, we didn't have it, but we gave it anyway. You know what, what God did? He blessed it. I'm not talking about just money. Just use what you've got.
how I want to close this service this morning. If you have a need, you need something from the Lord this morning, or you just have a desire to do something for the Lord this morning, I just want to invite you to come to the altar and just bring yourself. Bring yourself and the talent, the talents, whatever it is that you have in your hand this morning, and I just want you to offer it unto the Lord and let God bless, let God multiply. Just come and use what you've got. Just come on and pour it out to the Lord this morning. It'll forever be a memorial in your walk with God. It'll serve a purpose this morning, and and God will bless you. And as a church family this morning, the ARC, we're going to do with whatever it is, with whatever we have to give, we're going to seek first the kingdom. We're going to see revival. Why? Because we got people that are working together that's just going to use whatever God's blessed them with. We're just going to allow God to anoint us and use the talent, the talents, whatever it is that God's put on in your hand. Use what you've got. Let God bless it this morning. Come on, let's just offer ourselves unto the Lord today.